The views expressed on this special broadcast of the Take 12 radio show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. A very scary experience. You know, God is a solution. God is 12 step. I like where he's going here. Helps the community grow, helps us grow. Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie has done a phenomenal job. Lack of open-mindedness. And you're talking about taking people through a spiritual process and getting them into recovery. Thanks, Monty, uh, and thanks for all your support. We need spirituality to make this thing work long-term. It's an absolute pleasure. He certainly knows a lot of people. This is one of the places... It is about the business of the solution. And now, broadcasting on location somewhere in the vast expanse of the Pacific Northwest, it's the over-opinionated 12-stepologist, the Monty Man. everyone it's the monty man here at take 12 recovery radio i've pulled a uh, a sound clip from a message i shared uh to a congregation several years ago on the topic of why does god allow the suffering of his people i know those of us in recovery uh, have experienced a great amount of suffering and our families certainly have as well and sometimes we ask the question god why Why do I have to go through this? Why so much pain and sorrow? Well, maybe there's a reason. And I don't have the answer to that, but I'd like to introduce you to two gentlemen that underwent amazing amounts of hardship and turned it around for good. I think you'll get a lot out of this. The first gentleman that I'm introducing to you is a man by the name of Saeed. He's a pastor who was imprisoned in an Iranian prison for many years before his release. He is currently now a free man. But the suffering he underwent at the hands of those who hated him uh, would turn most of us bitter, but not Saeed, and you'll see why. The second gentleman is a homeless man by the name of Daniel, who chose to take his homelessness as a golden opportunity to share the love of the Creator with his fellow man. So kick back and listen to this sound clip, and then we'll come back and close out this very special broadcast. Here you go. These guys are examples of people that have put God at the center of their being. These are people I want to be like. Some of you may have heard this. This came out in February, on February 18th of 2013. This is a gentleman by, by the name of Saeed. Saeed is, uh, is a pastor, and he is in prison still to this day, in an Iranian prison. Now, everything I've talked about so far, and I don't know if I've made any sense. I'm going to go home and go, you know. But these two people I want you to meet, Saeed and Daniel, I, I want you to hear what I've been saying in these people's lives. This is a, a letter that uh, Pastor Saeed wrote to the church in America. My dear friends, the conditions here get so very difficult that my eyes get blurry, my body does not have the strength to walk, and my steps become very weak and shaky. 
various bullying groups, the psychological warfare, a year of not seeing my family, it's more than that now, physical violence, actions committed to humiliate me, insults being mocked, being confronted with extremists in the prison who create another prison within the prison walls, and the death threats. It is interesting that because I am a Christian pastor, I am carefully watched. I am expected to smile at all of them despite what is being done and to understand why they are doing all these things to me. But of course, I can clearly see what is going on and because I want to serve God, I see all of these difficulties as golden opportunities and great open doors to serve. Don't you remember that word, golden opportunities? They are empty containers who are thirsty for a taste of the living water. And we can quench their thirst by giving them Jesus Christ. Maybe you are also in such a situation. So pray and seek God that he would use you and direct you in the pressures and difficulties of your lives. There are those who are enemies of the living Bible and do not want to hear. They are trying to put me under such horrific pressure that are sometimes unbearable so that they can show me that my faith is empty and not real. And after all of these pressures, after all of the nails they have passed against my hands and feet, they only, they're only waiting for one thing, for me to deny Christ. But they will never get this from me. That is why the Bible is truth, and they are in the way of destruction. There is another group who does not know the gospel of truth at all. Instead of truly listening and meditating on God's word, they are just waiting to see how I will react to all their pressures and persecution. What will come out of me during these intense times? But again, this is another golden opportunity for me to shine the light of Christ in this dark world and to let God use me. Yesterday when I was singing worship songs, the head of my cell room attacked me in order to stop me from praising. But in response, I hugged him and showed him love. He was shocked. It is during these harsh conditions that I deeply need God's saving grace so that I can be the fragrant scent of Christ in the dark house of Evan Prison. I have often seen the shining morning star in the darkness of this prison, and I have seen his amazing and supernatural works. Oh, how beautiful is seeing the light of the shining morning star of Christ in such an evil darkness. So, See your golden opportunities in pressures and difficulties. See the shining morning star in the dark times of your life. I love him. This is where I get choked up. (laughs) He is gracious, merciful, and righteous to me. I know that I have not been forgotten and that we are together in this path. God gives me grace. This is my message for the church. Stay strong for his glory. He will come back soon. Be with God and give your best efforts for his kingdom. Pastor Saeed, servant of Jesus Christ, in chains for endurance of the gospel. I love you all. Did you notice there's something missing from this? Anybody have any idea what it is? Boy, you guys hit nail on the head. Not that he doesn't want to... To, to leave this place. But never once does Pastor Saeed ask for us to pray that he's delivered. Not once. Instead, he asks that he be used of God in that dark place, for this is a golden opportunity for him. 
Oh, God, please make my hip pain go away. Well, maybe I'm going to use that so you can help somebody else. Oh, God, get my son out of jail. He doesn't know how to be in jail. Maybe he needs to be in jail. Maybe there's somebody that's going to touch him there that isn't going to touch him anywhere else. Maybe there's somebody he's going to touch that wouldn't be touched anywhere else. God is sovereign, you guys. It's okay to ask for deliverance. It's okay to ask for freedom. It's okay to to ask for things. But when they don't come the way we want them to, and I have to say this to myself all the time, when they don't come the way I want it to come, it isn't because God doesn't care. It isn't because God isn't at work. It's because I'm uncomfortable. Last person I want to introduce you to. And so for anybody to say, Pastor Saeed is going through this suffering because he doesn't love God enough and doesn't have enough faith is an absolute heresy. So don't tell me, because I'm allergic to alcohol and can't drink it, that I haven't experienced freedom in Christ. Don't tell your neighbor because they their leg hasn't been healed. It's because they don't love God enough. Could it be that God allows us to fail to, in the long run, bring glory to him? So we suffer. Christ learned his obedience by suffering on a cross. You want to be a follower of Christ? You're going to suffer. In this world, you will have tribulation. It's going to happen. You are going to suffer. If you haven't yet, you will. I promise you. But be of good cheer. For when it's all said and done, it's all overcome. How many of you have uh, experienced a homeless individual? How many of you have been homeless? How many of you come close? I don't want to tell you how many of you still will. Because in a group like this, this size, probably somebody will be. It's a very good chance it's not because of anything you did to. You know that 60% of the people in the streets in Portland that are homeless are not there because of drug and alcohol abuse. They're because of circumstances beyond their control. Remember that the next time you see somebody on a street corner. And even if it is because of something they did, or even if it is because of drugs and alcohol, remember this, without God, they have no ability to quit. And you might be an example of Christ to them. Listen to this story. I sat with two friends in the picture window of a quaint restaurant just off the corner of the town square. The food and the company were both especially good that day. As we talked, my attention was drawn outside across the street. There, walking into town, was a man who appeared to be carrying all his worldly goods on his back. He was carrying a well-worn sign that read, I will work for food. Seen those? My heart sank. I brought him to the attention of my friends and noticed that others around us had stopped eating to focus on him. Heads moved in a mixture of sadness and disbelief. We continued with our meal, but his image lingered in my mind. We finished our meal and went our separate ways. I had errands to do and quickly sat out to accomplish them. I glanced toward the town square, looking somewhat half-heartedly for the strange visitor. I was fearful, knowing that seeing him again would call some response. You ever been there? Let's go out the other exit in the parking lot, right? I drove through town and saw nothing of him. I made some purchases at a store and got back in my car. Deep within me, the Spirit of God kept speaking to me. Don't go back to the office until you've at least driven once more around the square. 
Then with some hesitancy, I headed back into town. As I turned the square's third corner, I saw him. He was standing on the steps of the store front church going through his sack. I stopped and looked, feeling both compelled to speak to him, yet wanting to drive on. Right? <laughs> hit, you, hit you at home. The empty parking space on the corner seemed to be a sign from God, an invitation to park. I pulled in, got out, and approached the town's newest visitor. Looking for the pastor, I asked. Not really, he replied, just resting. Have you eaten today? Oh, I ate something early this morning. Would you like to have lunch with me? Do you have some work I could do for you? No work, I replied. I commute here to work from the city, but I would like to take you to lunch. Sure, he replied with a smile. As he began to gather his things, I asked some surface questions. Where are you headed? St. Louis. Where are you from? Oh, all over, mostly Florida. How long have you been walking? Fourteen years, came the reply. I knew I had met someone unusual. We sat across from each other in the same restaurant I had left earlier. His face was weathered slightly beyond his 38 years. His eyes were dark yet clear, and he spoke with an eloquence and articulation that was startling. He removed his jacket to reveal a bright red T-shirt that said, Jesus is the never-ending story. Then Daniel's story began to unfold. He had seen rough times early in his life, much pain, much suffering. He made some wrong choices and reaped the consequences. Fourteen years earlier, while backpacking across the country, he had stopped in the beach in Daytona. He tried to hire on with some men who were putting up a large tent and some equipment. A concert, he thought. He was hired. But the tent would not house a concert, but revival services. And in those services, he saw life more clearly. He gave his life over to Jesus. Nothing's been the same since, he said. I felt the Lord telling me to keep walking. And so I did, some 14 years now. Ever think of stopping, I asked? Oh, once in a while, when it seems to get the best of me. But God has given me this calling. I give out Bibles. That's what's in my sack. I work to buy food and Bibles, and I give them out when his spirit leads. I sat amazed. My homeless friend was not homeless. He was on a mission and lived this way by choice. The question burned inside for a moment, and then I asked, what's it like? What? To walk into town carrying all your things in your back and to show your sign. Oh, it's humiliating at first. People would stare and make comments. Once someone tossed a piece of half-eaten bread and made a gesture, <laughs> that certainly didn't make me feel welcome. But then it became humbling to realize that God was using me to touch lives and change people's concepts of other folks like me. My concept was changing too. We finished our dessert and he gathered his things and just outside the door he paused. He turned to me and said, Come ye blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom I prepared for you. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. A stranger, and you took me in. I felt as if we were on holy ground. Could you use another Bible, I asked? He said he preferred a certain translation. I traveled well and was not too heavy. It traveled well and was not too heavy. It was also his personal favorite. I read through it 14 times, he said. 
I'm not sure we've got one of those. Well, let's stop by our church and see. I was able to find my new friend a Bible that would do well, and he seemed very, very grateful. Where are you headed from here, I asked. Well, I found this little map on the back of this amusement park coupon. Are you hoping to hire on there for a while? No, I just figured I should go there. I figure someone under the star right there needs a Bible. So that's where I'm going next. He smiled, and the warmth of his spirit radiated in sincerity of his mission. I drove him back to the town square where we'd met two hours earlier, and as we drove, it started raining. We parked and unloaded his things. Would you sign my autograph book, he asked. I like to keep messages from folks I meet. I wrote in his little book that his commitment to his calling had touched my life. I encouraged him to stay strong, and I left him with a verse of scripture from Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Thanks, man. I know we just met, and we're really just strangers, but I love you. I know I said I love you too. The Lord is good. Yes, he is. How long has it been since someone hugged you, I asked. A long time, he replied. And so on the busy street corner in the drizzling rain, my new friend and I embraced, and I felt deep inside that I had been changed. He put his things on his back, smiled, and said, See you in the New Jerusalem. I'll be there, was my reply. He began his journey again. He headed away with his sign dangling from his bedroll and pack of Bibles. He stopped, turned, and said, When you see something that makes you think of me, will you pray for me? You bet, I shouted back. God bless. God bless. And that was the last I saw of him. Late that evening, as I left my office, the wind blew strong. The cold front had settled upon our town. I bundled up and hurried to my car. As I sat back and reached for the emergency brake, I saw them. A pair of well-worn brown work gloves neatly laid over the length of the handle. I picked them up and thought of my friend and wondered if his hands would stay warm that night without them. Then I remembered his words. If you see something that makes you think of me, will you pray for me? Today his gloves lie on my desk in my office. They help me to see the world and its people in a new way. And they help me remember those two hours with my unique friend, and I pray for his ministry. See you in the new Jerusalem, he said. Yes, Daniel, I know I will. Well, there you have it. Uh, A sound clip from a message I delivered at a congregation several years ago on the topic of why does God allow the suffering of his people? There's not a whole lot to say to wrap this up other than, wow, I, I hope that I can have the grace and the love, just a portion of what these two gentlemen have, towards their fellow human beings, especially in a world today where there's so much hatred and character assassination and, and animosity. Wow, if we could just follow the example of these two guys. All right. Until our next broadcast, let me remind you that you can subscribe to all of our shows by going to Take12Radio.com, following us on Podomatic or any major podcasting platform. And uh, keep in mind that 
we do this. Uh, we don't get paid for this. This is all uh, volunteer here at Take 12 Recovery Radio. But if you'd like to donate, uh, you can scroll down to the bottom of the page at Take12Radio.com and click on the Donate button. That helps keep us on the air. Until next time, this is the Monty Man, and I am wishing God's perfect serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.